Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Thursday, November 3rd, and trending this hour, the World Series Game 4. The Astros pitching staff completed only the second no-hitter in World Series history during their 5-0 win. The series is now tied 2-2. First Lady Joe Biden weighed in on it. She said there are some things that rise above partisan lines, and then she took a jab at the Houston Astros, saying, like wanting to see the Astros lose. Also trending this hour, the Powerball. There is still no winner in the Powerball. The jackpot is now up to a staggering $1.5 billion. And finally trending this hour, Godzilla. It was today that the world was introduced to Godzilla in 1954. The movie Godzilla and the character. It is six minutes after 11 with Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. And Joe Biden launched his war on American energy on his very first day in office, shutting down domestic energy production, making us reliant on our enemies. The State Department has consulted with environmental groups on policies, including a potential coal investment ban. And now the Biden climate czar, the envoy, John Kerry, is saying that Biden's plans are to accelerate eliminating fossil fuels. For the most part, now it's not true, obviously, with everything, but for the most part, the circumstances of your life are largely your fault. And there's a famous (laughs) line from The Office Where Michael Scott asks somebody, do you want your life to be better, worse, or exactly the same? Mm -hmm. And based on what you want your life to be, you make decisions around that pretty simplistic thing. You laugh at it, but it's really true. Do you want your life to be better, worse, or stay exactly the same? And with every choice you make, does my life get better, worse, or stay exactly the same by this choice? And in the case of what is going on in this country... It's easy to say Biden sucks, Biden's awful, blah, blah, blah. All true. Society put him there. Maybe with some creative jelly bean counting, election night, October 20 or November 2020. But there are still tens of millions of people who legally, I think it is beyond dispute, cast a vote for Joe Biden and other Democrats. And as it is now, Democrats control the House and the Senate and the presidency. Mm -hmm. And so... This is the question you should be asking yourself as you vote in certain races. Do you want your life to be better, worse, or stay exactly the same and cast the vote on which candidate will make your life better, worse, or exactly the same? And in the case of energy, John Kerry is very clear that when it comes to Biden, they want to accelerate getting rid of fossil fuels. That is who the Democrats are. That is what they will continue doing unless you vote for someone else who will stop them. Don't take my word for it. Take John Kerry's word for it. So if we accelerate these efforts, which is what technology and entrepreneurial activity help us to do, uh, this is going to change even faster. And, and so that's where I draw enormous hope. And, and some optimism, because I believe we can still make this happen. But we have to make the right decisions and implement those decisions. 
They think everything, they being the Biden administration, think everything is, that's fa- is fine right now. In fact, they need they think it needs to be much more of what's happening right now. You you can't complain. Like if you see a rattlesnake and you are across the street away from the rattlesnake and somebody goes, hey, there's a rattlesnake over there. You ought not go near that rattlesnake. If you say, no, 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 I want to go over and pet the rattlesnake and the rattlesnake bites you, that is not the fault of the, snake. the rattlesnake. It is the fault of you mm-hmm. for enabling and yourself to be near enough to and putting yourself in a position to be bit by the rattlesnake. We as a society have walked up to the rattlesnake. We have put our hand out to try to pet the rattlesnake, and the rattlesnake has bit us and is destroying the American way of life. You can either do something about it and fix it this fall or accept that the poison is going to keep coursing through your veins. Yeah, so the Biden war on fossils has been a disaster. I mean, it's contributed to high inflation. It's killed family budgets. Our wages aren't the same. They don't mean as much. It's led to recession. It's damaged our security, not only here at home, but also internationally. And yet we have his entire cabinet jetting around the world, wasting the same fossil fuels that they say they want to ban. Yeah, okay, so that's a great point. So uh, our governor here, Lockdown McGee, High Tax Holcomb, whatever you want to call him, is going to get on a plane Mm -hmm. to fly to Egypt Mm -hmm. to be a part of some sort of climate conference. Mm -hmm. Eric Holcomb will, will burn more fuel to Egypt and back than I will this entire year, okay? That plane that he's on. And yet we're led to believe, well, I'm some sort of hero because I go to a conference on climate change. No, none of you people are heroes. The vast majority of stuff you talk about is made up nonsensical bullcrap that is designed to manipulate behavior. You guys have been predicting the end of the world for almost 50 years now on this climate change. The initial Earth Day was about global cooling. You totally just pull it out of your backsides and make it up as you go along. Now, Another big issue with the Biden administration, in addition to uh, wanting to do things that are going to harm you, is the way they prioritize things. And so last night, ahead of the election, we're a week out from the election, society is largely in shambles based on what the American way of life should be. Food, record prices. Gas has been or is at or near record prices. Getting things incredibly difficult in many cases. The border completely out of control. I mean, there's a number of things Joe Biden could have said. I'm going to have a big press conference about and discuss how I'm going to make better. And he chose to use his time Mm -hmm. essentially threatening that if Republicans win, that there could be calamity in society. You're going to destroy democracy. And he reduced himself. This mm-hmm. and this is again. He's done it before. We all remember the big blood red background that mm-hmm. you know looked like it was something out of V for Vendetta. It, it, <laughs> so this is not the first time he's done it. Where last night he chose to compare Paul Pelosi's attack mm-hmm. done by a uber liberal BLM supporting nudist hippie to January sixth. All this happened after the assault. And it just, I, it's hard to even say. 
It's hard to even say. After the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th, when they broke windows, kicked in the doors, brutally attacked law enforcement, roamed the corridors hunting for officials, and erected gallows to hang the former vice president, Mike Pence. It was an enraged mob that had been whipped up into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. It's a lie that fueled the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation over the past two years. This is a guy who has not only not solved any of America's problems. He's created some. He's created them. He's Mm -hmm. made the ones that existed worse. And what he chooses to spend his time on, because, well, he may not know this, because he may not know his name or where he's at, but what the people who control him know is that the American people are sick of this bullcrap. They're sick of being demonized. They're sick of being villainized. They're sick of, it's all, we're always doing something wrong. We, as good and decent people, are always doing something wrong. We are always the problem. When in reality, government is the problem, and they know, they being the Democrats and Biden's handlers, they're about to go down, they're about to yell timber, Mm -hmm. and the only chance they've got, I guess they feel, because the abortion playbook didn't work, and that blew up in their face, now is if you elect Republicans, every day will be January 6th. The guy with Paul Pelosi... Who knows what the real story about that is? Right. But on its face, it's a nudist, hippie, BLM flag flying person from San Francisco. That is not. Sounds like just like a yeah, conservative. The, yeah, they're, they're the base of the Republican Party. No. Pal. There are. Let's let's accept nude hippie BLM flag flying guy on his face, and let's pretend there's nothing more to it than it is what it is. There are crazy people in the world. There are 330 plus million people in this country. We encounter them every day. There are people who are not well mentally. There are people who are who are are not playing with a full deck of cards, and they do crazy and stupid stuff. Somebody shot John Lennon. Someone shot Ronald Reagan. These people exist. It is not. They always make it as though there are a society full of these people. The overwhelming majority of people are good and decent people who contribute to America, and I am so sick of being demonized by this guy who has done nothing but make America worse for his entire 50-plus year political career. That speech that he gave came across as desperate and dishonest. It was a last-ditch effort because they know what is coming. He promised unity, and instead he is demonizing, he's smearing, all while he's making it extremely expensive for all of us. Hey, when we come back, yeah, AOC is very, very upset about having to pay $8 for a blue check mark. <laughs> okay, we have to talk about this. She having a spat with Elon? That's on the way from 93 WIBC. So Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called out Elon Musk, the new CEO of Twitter, for trying to sell free speech. Of course, that made Elon 
<laughs> retort back at her. Your feedback is appreciated. Now pay eight bucks. This is all in regards to his uh, tweets that he's been sending out about the blue check, the verification, and what that means. Yeah, this is just, this is the left's response to, and we talked about this earlier, the reason mm-hmm. the left is so upset is because liberalism depends on and thrives on stymieing other points of view because when liberalism has to be explained or held accountable it just immediately falls apart because for the most part it is wholly ridiculous and elon musk buying twitter and now opening it up not just to the people who will come back but doing things like fact checking biden on the ridiculous claim that he and his administration got people the social security cost of living increase those are things that were not happening that are going to start happening and for someone like AOC, it is a great example of how much they believe they're entitled to your stuff. We heard with Donald Trump when he got banned, you're not entitled to be on this platform. They're a private company. They can do as they see fit. If you don't play by the rules, you're out of here, Buster. Well, now Mm -hmm. it's not even being on the platform. They're upset about a stupid, meaningless blue check mark. Mm -hmm. Like, I am entitled to that blue check mark. Who are you to take away my blue check mark? Well, I'm the person who owns this freaking company, Mm -hmm. so I can take away who's ever, whatever I want at any time. So Elon Musk is proposing to charge users $8 a month for that verification check mark. And he said you're also going to get priority in replies, mentions, and searches, ability to post long-form video and audio, plus half as many ads. Now, here's the deal. This is a business. This is now his business. You use the product, pay for it. Yeah, it's no different than like getting into your favorite club. You don't have a right to be in that club, which is why if the club is exclusive enough, they charge a cover to get in. They also charge a premium based on what sort of service you may want while you're in the club. They'll put limits on who comes in the club. They'll put a dress code on who comes in the club. Mm -hmm. They prioritize women in the club because that's where men would want to be. This happens all the time in every facet of society. And look, I have no right to be on Twitter. It's a private company. If Elon Musk wants to boot me tomorrow, okay, great. I had a a good good run. Same thing with Facebook. Mm -hmm. It's not government controlled. I have no right to be there. I have no right to a blue check mark. Elon Musk can charge $8, $80, $0.80, whatever he wants to charge to have some stupid, meaningless blue check mark. But if you are the Democrats, if you are super liberals like AOC who depend on the styming of free speech and using other people's stuff to prop up your own existence, then yes, you would be hyper offended by this. A lot of people are lashing out in disagreement over this. Stephen King, for example, he said that he's not going to pay for the blue check and that Twitter should be paying him. Uh, So now leaving Twitter is now the, I'm moving to Canada. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. Bye-bye. Yes, you have every right to leave. We hope you do leave. (laughs) And you are seeing who the left is by the fact that for one time Mm -hmm. there is, and the guy's, Elon Musk isn't even a conservative. He's just like, I want free speech. He wants his business to make money. Yes, and they can't stand that. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of this. And 
it's a capitalistic society. Do it. Make money. Hey, uh, Casey. Yeah. Now, now Biden, before his big press conference last night, where he basically said, if you vote Republican, you're You're voting for January 6th again. Mm -hmm. He had another little uh, press conference. And in classic Biden fashion, he said he's creating an economy Mm -hmm. that works for everybody. Hmm. Casey, I'm going to play this audio here and ask you then how the economy is working for you. Okay. The economy that works for everybody, through bold actions like this one, we're taking that vision to reality. This is what it looks like when America comes together to get something done. Yes, the Republicans and Democrats got together to raise the national debt by $30 trillion. It wasn't easy, lots of hard work, but they did it. Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Todd Young, Joe Biden, they all got together. Is this this working for you? Is this economy working for you? No, and I'll tell you why. There's really four components to economies. Yes. There's production, consumption, investment, and distribution. Mm-hmm. And the purchasing power has been diminished because of inflation. Mm-hmm. So the two parts that really affect me would be the investment part. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not investing as much because of inflation. Yeah. I'm not contributing as much to my 401k because that money is being used for other things like groceries and gasoline. And I'm not consuming as much for the exact same reason because I'm paying for groceries and higher price for gasoline. Therefore, I'm not out buying new clothes right. or spending loads of money on vacations. So uh, we're kicking the can down the road we've been kicking the can down the road and uh you know the government's been spending money like it's a stay-at-home daughter on a spa day eventually you got to take care of it and now it's all coming to fruition at the same time is the economy working for me rob kendall no all right when we come back there is a big lawsuit that has now just started to finally get some attention Mm -hmm. because there was a ruling in part of this lawsuit yesterday the other day and it could depending on how it shakes out have a profound impact on who can run for public office in the state of Indiana. It's a really great lawsuit challenging the wholly ridiculous, very corrupt ballot access laws we have in this state. So when we come back, one of the plaintiffs in the case, he's a phenomenal attorney here in Indianapolis. Our friend Mark Rutherford will be with us. Tell us what this lawsuit's all about and how it might impact going forward on Future who, elections. who can run and who you can vote yeah. for. Okay, that's on the way from 93 WIBC. It's Kendall Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And there is a big legal case working its way through the system that could have a very big impact on how you vote here in Indiana. And more importantly, who can run and who you can vote for. So to get us up to date on this lawsuit, we bring in, he is one of the great legal minds in central Indiana and throughout the entire state for that matter, and also happens to be a plaintiff in the case, attorney at law, the great Mark Rutherford. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well this morning. This is great. All right. So tell me about this lawsuit because you are actually a plaintiff in this lawsuit that is about who can get on the ballot and who can run for public office. That's right. This lawsuit, I'm a plaintiff as a 
part of the Libertarian Party of Indiana, Secretary of State candidate in 2018. And it does affect me on what decisions I make on whether I run for office, where, etc. because the lawsuit is about uh, the ballot access requirements in Indiana, and we're alleging they're unconstitutionally burdensome along with the Green Party. Yeah, they're, to- they're, they're just totally awful and corrupt. And we spent a lot of time on this show talking about the signature requirement. Like, in order to run as one of the two primary, you know, the Democrats or Republicans, you got to get these 500 signatures for Senate or governor in all these congressional districts. And it's designed to keep people from running. And you guys are kind of piggybacking on that a little bit, saying many, many ballot access laws in Indiana are are unconstitutional. Right. That's what we're saying. That's just too hard to get on the ballot. It's not just a way to make sure you have some control. It's to keep others from being on it. And that's the problem with it right now. I forget the exact signature requirement to get on this year, the ballot, if you weren't already ballot access oriented, but it was in the 50s, a thousand. Like like, like, like if you want to run, Mm -hmm. say, as an independent candidate, because right now you guys have ballot access, the Republicans and Democrats, but if you were a person who says, look, I'm not a part of any political party, which many, many Hoosiers identify with that. You haven't, as a regular person, unless you're an, a very inf, very wealthy person like, say, Mike Braun, you got no shot at getting those signatures. It, it's very hard. No one's done it since about 1990. Or it's, about, it's been about 20, 22 years since anybody's done it last and was successful. They've tried, but they can't do it, or they just don't even try. Okay, so your lawsuit is asking for what? Because you don't dispute, hey, there needs to be some sort of institutional control. We don't want 93 people on the ballot for, say, U.S. Senate. What do you guys want? What would you like to see? We'd like to see the ballot access requirements to be constitutional, that they have some reason for having them other than to keep other people off the ballot. The, the way they are now, it's very, very hard for anybody to get on the ballot in Indiana when it comes to statewide office. And um, that's why we'd like to see. We'd like to see that the number of signatures required, and we, I'd even be fine with they did it for the Republicans and Democrats, too. I think it's just ownersome. Uh, onerous and burdensome, and it just takes way too much time and money just to get on the ballot if you're not on the ballot. And even if you're on the ballot, if you're a Republican or Democrat, it takes a lot of effort in a very short period of time to get on the ballot. It's 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 not designed to get more voices involved and more ideas. It's designed to exclude. Mark Rutherford is our guest. He's an attorney here in central Indiana. He's a plaintiff in a lawsuit, and we'll get to the big ruling the other day in this lawsuit, which is challenging ballot access laws in the state of Indiana. And Mark made a great point. These ballot access laws, maybe you could expand on this for, for a moment. It is not designed to get people on the ballot. Our ballot access laws in Indiana are designed to keep people off the ballot. And before you answer that, a great example of this is rainwater obviously did very well in 2020. And the immediate reaction from the Republicans, Ethan Manning was the guy who authored this bill, was to say, not to look at ourselves and go as Republicans and say, why did so many people vote third party? What do we need to do to kind of win these people over? They said, no, let's just try to make it harder for libertarians to engage in the process. And they tried to pass a law that was going to put signature requirements on on libertarians. The, the, the Republicans and Democrats do not want competition. That's what you see from the actions. Look at what people do and how they do in the bills that are proposed. It, it, it got killed. It took a lot of work. But um, uh, the, that tells 
tells you that the, most people who are already in power are trying to keep others from being there instead of what we have is in a democracy in a constitutional republic is we're supposed to have lots of voices out there talking and if you have lots of voices talking you have better ideas come out let's talk about the big ruling that came down yesterday because the state of indiana is fighting you guys obviously that's why that this thing is in court right now you guys got a big win the other day yes uh, we did uh, the lawsuit was filed the state of indiana uh, filed a motion to dismiss which is very common in constitutional cases and the judge ruled that the motion to dismiss was not warranted that there are a lot of factual issues that need to be resolved and in a ballot access case there's a lot of factual issues on determining whether or not uh, there's a constitutional violation and the nice thing he said was there's a case about the uh, old late 80s that said the two percent requirement was okay although in some of the language in it, it said maybe with time it'll prove not to be okay and he said no the fact that a court says two percent is fine is m- just very limited in that case which was limited to two percent our case talks about everything involved with it, the time it takes, the money it takes, how it keeps parties from being able to do things that they want to do, like run for other offices. We have to run for Secretary of State, right. whether we think it's a good idea in this year or not. So, and, and a great example of that is, say, Jeff Moore, who is an A-plus candidate. We'll talk about him in just a second. He you guys said, hey, you got to kind of run for Secretary of State. What if he wanted to run for U.S. Senate? You say, no, 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 we got to have our best person, we got to have our cleanup hitter running for Secretary of State because we got to get this 2%er, we're off the ballot. That's what you have to do if you want to stay on the ballot in Indiana if you're a minor party. You got to run the safest, bestest candidate, which, congratulations, that was you in 2018. <laughs> uh, Mark Rutherford's our guest. He's a, an attorney here in central Indiana um, talking about this ballot access uh, lawsuit that, that has been filed. And again, we should all be cheering for libertarians and greens on this whether you're a libertarian or green or not because we want people who are interested in being engaged in civics who are genuine in their belief of i you know i want to try to run i want to try to put my ideas out there to be involved in this process now real quick i did want to ask you because obviously the big news came out today according to james briggs at indy star that diego morales the the republican nominee for secretary of state may have illegally voted in 2018 can you clarify you're a man of the law, your homestead tax credit, where you take your homestead credit, which Diego Morales, in this case, took his in Indianapolis while voting in Plainfield, that is where you live and that is where you're supposed to vote, right? That's under Indiana law, that if you take homestead credit, it has to be to your primary residence. And uh, if primary residence, uh, as defined in, in, in the law on voting, can have several different ones. But I've got to tell you, if you have a homestead credit and you take that homestead credit, you're saying that's your primary residence. And that's, in my opinion, your primary residence for where you vote. There's a big... There, that that, that uh, I'm sorry to see that, that that is what has come out. Well, and he's going to have to answer this, right? I mean, because this is the sort of thing that got Charlie White, a similar thing, who was the Secretary of State who ultimately was booted out because he he did something very similar. This is a huge deal with huge, huge implications. This isn't a political thing, right? This is a legal thing. Well, it is a legal thing. It is also a little bit political, but it's mostly legal because you have to follow these laws. And if you're going to run for an office, you better follow the laws. If you don't like the laws, don't run for office. Go out and say that you don't like to, um, unless you want to get arrested or get in trouble. But I don't think most people do. Uh, but you, you, you should do that. And if you're running for an office like Secretary of State, you got to work really hard to make sure you've done everything correctly. Uh, before we let you go. 
show, Mark. Obviously, Jeff Moore getting the 10%. The law is what it is for now until you guys hopefully win this case. He's got to get 10% for the Libertarians to get primary ballot access. I think he's doing very well. I think Diego's such a flawed candidate, and Jeff is such a great candidate that many people are going to cross over and vote for the Libertarian because they want competence and good government. They also want to start holding Republicans accountable. You're going to be one of the guys, and I loved hearing this, that helps the Libertarians, if indeed they get that 10%, prepare for life as a primary ballot candidate. That's correct. I'm working with the state chair and other people to make the transition. We're looking at what's happening. We're seeing what's happening, and we think there's a good chance we'll be over 10%, and we're not going to be unprepared for it. We're going to be ready for it. The great Mark Rutherford, an incredible legal mind and a great uh, defender of freedom and liberty. Thank you for a few moments, and good luck on this lawsuit. A lot of people are cheering for you. Thank you very much. 93 WIBC, it's Kendall and Casey Show. Good morning. It is 1147 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. A new poll was released by the Trafalgar Group and in it revealing that the Republican in the New York gubernatorial race is edging out the incumbent, the Democrat, Kathy Hochul, and this just a few days before election day yeah so you don't ultimately know how the race in new york is gonna work out you know creative jelly bean counting polling could be off whatever yeah and we were just reminded that it could take longer to count all the votes yeah biden let us know that Mm -hmm. it could be several days several days just take it easy okay um But the fact that we're even having this conversation about New York Mm -hmm. and that there is even a conversation period about the idea of whether New York is going to go Democrat or Republican is incredible. And it shows you just how fed up even people in blue states, because we're having the same conversation in Oregon, are with because the, and these governors' races largely are swinging not on the national mood, mm-hmm. but on the dealing with crime. Mm-hmm. And people are sick. And we tried to make this case during 2020, and we were told, "Shut up, sit down. You don't understand. This is about more and something bigger than you'll ever understand." I said, "No. People are using something as an excuse to behave like thugs and lunatics." And finally, and I guess it took two years, which really sucks, but it took two years for people to realize, nah, major metropolitan cities who were smashed across this country, that wasn't about racial injustice. That wasn't about righting some wrong. That was about a bunch of maniacs mm-hmm. ha- being excused to act like a bunch of thieves and thugs and maniacs. Mm-hmm. And now voters, even in uber-liberal conclaves like New York and Oregon, are saying, you know what? That's probably not a good way to run society and we have a competitive governor's race in new york yeah so this latest poll has 48 percent of voters voting for lee zeldin and 47 percent voting for kathy hochel and she is being blasted for suggesting that the rise in crime is manufactured she said master manipulators in a national conspiracy and data deniers are what's really happening. It's not actual crime. Well, and this is, and this, this comes back to the same thing that Biden did, you know, has done, whatever. When people are looking for, and for some reason, and I've never understood this, but they are, are very lenient in terms of incompetence in their government. 
but they want to at least be lied to and you pretending that you're looking into or working hard to overcome the issue at hand. Now, government rarely is because government doesn't solve problems for the most part. But in this case, the crime is real Mm -hmm. in New York. We're talking about New York specifically. The crime is real. People know it. They see it. They feel it. And for you to say, well, you're manipulating data. No, I see it right in front of me. When I walk out of Monument Circle on the rare occasion I do that now, it's everywhere. I hear it. I hear it on my balcony at night. Gunshots. It is is really telling, though, that places like New York and, and Oregon are competitive. And I saw now where Real Clear, I think it was Real Clear Politics, is now predicting Republicans will win 54 seats in the United States Senate. Hmm. Now, does that mean it'll hold? No. Does that mean it'll happen? No. Does it mean it could be 52? Does it mean it could be 50? You have no idea how they're going to count votes in Philadelphia. You know, you just, you, 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 you don't know. But people are waking up to what's happened in this country. It's a real shame it took two, two and a half years of total mm-hmm. destruction of the country, but at least maybe people have finally had enough of it. I, Hochul, this is the incumbent in New York, she said it's a GOP conspiracy to convince people crime is rising. And I, I'm just curious when the next meeting for her and Stacey Abrams is, their, their conspiracy meetings, <laughs> because they both like to say that word a lot. It's just, it's made up. Okay, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and let's talk about this new study, this research that was released that shows one in five workers, 20%, have experienced poor treatment in their workplace by their coworkers or their peers due to their political views. So my dear friend, Dr. Scott Strong, sent me this. He mm-hmm. is a professor. He's an incredibly smart guy. I uh, used to do quite a bit of radio stuff with him. He's a really good dude. And he saw this and said, I'd love for you to ca- you to carry this. Uh, Unpack this th- one. This one, because yeah. it's kind of in our wheelhouse. And it is interesting that, as you said, Casey, one in five mm-hmm. workers are reporting. Now, it could be either way. It could be conservative to liberal, but I'm sure it's predominantly liberal to conservative, are being mistreated based on their political views. Mm-hmm. And that is not, it is ridiculous, but it was not surprising. And I was actually somewhat surprised that it is not worse than that. That it's not higher. One of the findings that they said was over a quarter of U.S. workers, 26%, engage in political discussions with their coworkers, which at this stage in the game, unless you are working <laughs> here at WIBC, I, f- I would feel a lot of people would be scared mm-hmm. to talk about their political views at work. Yeah. I mean, unless this is somebody that you have known for years mm-hmm. and you know where they stand and you know what you can talk with them about, that you wouldn't say anything. Right. What if you disagree? Yeah. That's and, that's your employment on the line. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. My wife just started a new job. Mm-hmm. And obviously on her resume was that she once worked here. Yeah. And so they were asking her about here. Yeah. And then very quickly it became apparent. Change the subject. Who here is based uh-huh. on your last name. Uh-huh. And so thankfully at her place of employment, people have been very nice and friendly to her. I think a lot of people share her 
views and our views of the world and our listeners. But there's no doubt. I mean, even for someone like her, she knows she's walking into an environment, not even her views because she's not openly political, Mm -hmm. but who your husband's views are. Exactly. Her association with you. Right. That she could get some pushback. And I've ruined many lives based on their association with me over the years. So that's not <laughs> new territory for me. But, you know, it, it is something and it is pathetic that it's like, look, whether you're liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, independent, libertarian, whatever, if you're paid to do a job and you show up to do a job mm-hmm. and you do the job to the best of your ability, your political views should not be punished. You should not be punished for your political views. But sadly, that is the world in which we live, which really does choke off free speech. It really does choke off people's willingness to say, I am this, I believe this. And in this country, mm-hmm. you should have no problem saying, I am this and I believe this. It's interesting because over the past couple of years, you know, there's the saying, the water cooler. And with more people working remotely, the water cooler isn't really a thing anymore. It's becoming less of a thing. But even if you are at a place where is the there is the proverbial water cooler, you're probably more intimidated to even talk about things because of this. Yes. You know, your water cooler talk is more mundane now. Yeah, and I have never had a job that was not either I owned the business, I work here, which Mm -hmm. is expected you will talk about politics. (laughs) You're expected to. Or when I worked for the state, everybody obviously knew what my views were, so it was not whatever. Mm -hmm. But I cannot imagine having to go into an environment where you cannot or you do not feel comfortable saying what your views are. Mm -hmm. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And one last story. And let's end on something fun. And Kevin, you should chime in on this one as well. So I came across this article and it stated muses for popular songs. Oh, yes. Of course, you know the muses, the inspiration. And it was uh, all of these different songs that you've probably heard of, and they're about different people and who the muse was. For example, Madonna's True Blue. That was about Sean Penn. Oh. Uptown Girl from Billy Joel. Christy Brinkley. Incorrect. Oh! It's about Elle McPherson. That's who he was dating she when he was wrote in the, the song. But then the wife was the what? one who was in the video. Now, we talked about Krista Berg's Lady in Red. That song was about his wife. Uh-huh. Of course, Eric Clapton, Tears in Heaven, about his, song, his son. And uh, the boxer from Simon and Garfunkel. That's about Bob Dylan. There you go. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Kevin. And thank you for listening today. And we hope you'll join us again tomorrow. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.